0: Hello, vinyl lovers. I'm Antonio Starpoly. And I'm Chris Myers. And you're listening to Taste of Vinyl.
1: Meatloaf. Bah! Ma. Ma. The meatloaf. The meatloaf. Ma.
0: Jeez. <laughs> I right, welcome, welcome listeners. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest is Josh Hoke. He is a, of course, vinyl collector, uh, but more importantly, he is the host of his own podcast called Pirate Radio After Dark. How you doing, Josh? Good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Good. Thank you. Good. Good, man. Absolutely. We're, we're psyched to have you on, man. Uh, we really appreciate you doing this. So we're going to start off with uh, the, the old digital or analog question.
2: All right, so um, I think it really depends on who recorded it, how it was mastered, and the format. Um, So there's a lot of factors that play in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Preference-wise, I wish everything was recorded for vinyl, and I wish everything was mastered for vinyl, and I wish everything was available (laughs) on vinyl. So that's my preference. However, individual recordings, I think that's just a uh, case-by-case base, depending on how it was produced and produced and the production
0: of everything. Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, um I mean it's it's definitely uh a matter of preference and and definitely uh you know we've had a lot of guests make very good you know very good points as to you know why streaming might be or digital might be more convenient and analog is 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 better, you know, if you really want to hear the music as it was intended to be heard by the ar- uh by the artist. So Josh, why don't you Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you got involved in, in the music scene. Uh, tell us about your show. Uh, tell us about how you started collecting vinyl.
2: Sure. Um, so, Chris and I grew up together. We went to the same middle school and high school and all that stuff. So, I've known Chris a long time. And, you know, we both kind of grew up around punk rock and ska and all that stuff. You kind of the, the gateway stuff into more underground, non mainstream music. Sure. And, um, you know, Over time, I just realized that music was my passion, actually very quickly. So, um, you know, I started collecting records when Double Decker Records in Allentown um, was originally opened across the street from where it is now. Um, It's now a barber shop where they used to be. But I would just go in and get, you know, like punk seven inches and, you know, uh, LPs that were cheap, you know, teenager, don't have a lot of money. Right. um, And just find new music that way. And I, I just, there's something hypnotic about watching a uh, a turntable spin and seeing the hearing the music come out of it um it's still you know i think it's very um kind of (laughs) sexy i don't know if that's the right word for it but it's kind of cool to just watch it come to be (laughs) i think i think Um, that is the right
0: word (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it is
2: yeah on this podcast we use it that way um yeah (laughs) so i just you know really fell in love with with music and vinyl and all of that stuff and you know back then vinyl wasn't uh i mean i'm probably going to go around 1999 2003 is when i started you know getting some vinyl that was kind of a really dead point for vinyl so the only bands that were really putting stuff out were punk bands because they could you know do it and put a seven inch out pretty cheap and you know get it to their fans um you know, over time, it's obviously growing, and um, you know, I've been able to to collect a lot of the stuff that I I grew up listening to, and a lot of new stuff as well. And then when I entered college, um, I started doing a radio show on the the station, which was ninety point three FM, which no longer exists uh, for LTRC and um,
0: WXLV. I just,
2: yeah, WXLV. So they still exist in an online format, but the radio station itself um, is dead. Right. Gotcha. Um, So I just really, really loved doing the radio, and um, it was a great way to expose myself as well as my listeners to new music, which is really my passion. I'm always trying to find, you know, what's the next thing, what's the next sound, who's the next band kind of deal. Um, And it's, you know, geared in all different various genres, but just basically not mainstream stuff. So I've been doing it ever since I hit my 17 year anniversary mark uh, two weeks ago. Wow! And uh, congratulations I'm on 91.7. Awesome. Thank you. Which is Muhlenberg College's station, um, and I'm doing a stint right now until February first. Um, every Monday night from eight to eleven on that so, station.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So, so you do not only do you have Pirate Radio After Dark, which is your podcast, but you're also mm-hmm. on D- WMU College Station, right? What's the name of that show? Yep. It's also Pirate Radio After Dark. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, as far as like, um, and you've been doing it for 17 years. So, like, I'm sure, you know, that the type of music that you've played has probably evolved. But, you know, you mentioned that you do it because you, you know, you want to expose people to different types of music. So, can you just kind of give us a little bit of, you know, insight into like what you've been playing recently? like what what genre, what bands.
2: Sure. Um, you know, like you said, it has evolved, you know, it really starting a lot of punk and screamo and that, and hardcore back in the day. And I still play that, you know, um, but there's a lot more indie thrown in a lot more um, like, like slow core stuff, like page of the lion and, and things like that. Um, but there's even black metal throwing in um, some folk stuff. So it's, it's really across wow. the board. And I, My personal thing is I try to find bands that I think are truly passionate about what they do. And I know that sounds absurd to say that like there's bands out there that aren't passionate about what they do, but I truly think there's a ton of bands just phoning it in. Like it's just, you know, (laughs) whatever, they either lost their desire to do what they do or they're just basically doing it for a paycheck. So I try to find bands that, you know, you can hear that passion in the music, whatever genre it is. I don't particularly care. I just really gravitate to those bands that really push it. So I mean... You know, last week I was on air. Um, I played the new Deftones, obviously, which I know you guys are fans of. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I did I did um, that. I played the new Sea Haven record, which is actually really good. They kind of sound like brand new now, and they kind of drop their old sound. Oh, cool. Yeah. Just it's all over the
0: board, really. Sea Haven. I actually, uh, so I was like going through Instagram earlier today, and I saw a post about Sea Haven. And uh, whoever posted it was kind of gushing about it was just saying like, oh, you know, I never heard this band before, but, uh, you know, I'm glad I, I picked this up. And, you know, this is going to be like on my top 10. So I'm like, oh, okay, you know, like, I, I think maybe I should give this a listen. And now you're mentioning it. So so I'm definitely going to have to look it up and, and, and give it a listen. You know, starting this podcast and starting the Instagram and everything was such a great way for me to find out about new music, just discover new bands and new music. And I honestly wasn't, really aware of how, you know, how impactful it would be in that regard for me. So so it's very cool that I'm, you know, that I'm able to find out like what's out there and and gravitate towards it and make it kind of my own thing. So it's great that you do that on, on your shows, just exposing people to music and exposing people to bands that are passionate about what they do because i think you're right i think it really does come through like you can hear when a band is like passionate about what they do and f- do, there are bands that do phone it in absolutely absolutely <laughs> so so yeah. um definitely guys if you're listening check out josh's program pirate radio after dark and you said what days was it again
2: so i'm currently doing a stint right now on monday nights from uh, eight o'clock to 11 p.m eastern standard time and then that airs on 91 7 fm On, uh, you know, WMUH, we also stream it if you're not local. So if you're not in Eastern Pennsylvania, basically, um, it's WMUH.org. We're also on the tune in app. So you can download the tune in app for free and just search for WMUH cool. And there's the podcast where we throw all of our interviews and exclusive content, which is, you know, able to get whenever you want it's on every platform, pretty much Spotify, anchor stitcher, Google, Apple radio, public, all that stuff.
0: Sweet, excellent. So, guys, check that out. Um, so, going back to to vinyl for a second, you had mentioned Double Decker Records earlier, and how you like you would go in and and you know you started collecting like seven inches, like those punk seven inches, which is kind of seems to be a theme, right, Chris? Don't oh, you notice yeah. that a lot of our guests are, like talk about like, oh yeah, like when I was younger, I would collect these like you know punk rock seven inches.
1: It's, yeah, it's like Josh said, it's like the gateway, like it's a starting yeah. point and like they're they're pretty cheap, I mean, and you can right. find a lot of great stuff and a lot of gems. I remember going with Josh a little later on, like, you know, he had already been collecting obviously and I didn't start collecting till a little later, but going with him, even at that point, they were still pretty cheap. It still hadn't really caught back on yet. But yeah, I, I always found that to be super fun, just like, you know, you could bring in 20 30 bucks and walk out with you know sometimes like 10 12 you know seven inches and lps it was cool
0: that's awesome man josh how did you how did you kind of discover double decker
1: um it was the only
2: place in the area i gotta be honest i don't even know i do know who told me A, a friend that used to be in the very first band i ever played in um his older brother was super into like the punk rock scene in this area and he gave matt a mixtape that he gave to me eventually that had all these really obscure at the time punk bands like murder city devils and like shock and um the locust and just some really bizarre stuff that i still love some of it today and i said to him like where where do i get this because you know it was a mixtape there's only one song from each artist and you know the internet wasn't what it is today and he's like, "Oh, my brother just goes down to Double Decker, so um, it was located next to the uh, Zandy Steak Shop in Allentown, and nice. get my parents to drive me there like every Friday, and I'd uh, use my allowance to pick up some weird, you know, CD or seven inch or, or LP or whatever, and that that's kind of how I discovered things."
0: Sweet, that's awesome. And then years later, after you started collecting, you actually started kind of like a like a record club, right? And, and Chris, you're you're a mm-hmm. part of it. We, uh, we've we definitely mentioned it on the yes. show before. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, that whole record club?
2: So it's pretty cool. Um, in 2010, uh, JJ, who's friends with Chris and I, um, who's uh, done a radio show with me on and off, and he still does a show on uh, WXLV, him and our buddy Tyler and I were just kind of sitting around one night and we're like, you know what? We should just, you know... S- is Play that a record.
0: Decent, decent exposure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We said basically, you know, people do book clubs. So why not just sit around, you know, drink a beer, not JJ, but drink a beer and uh, listen to records <laughs> right. and uh, talk about them and analyze them and learn about them. And we started doing it. The very first record we ever played was uh, Them Crooked Vultures, which I still love that record so much. I think it's Dave Grohl and Josh Hame's best project. Um, but that was our first thing, and we're, I think, past 500 records now. We do have a logbook, but we've been doing Record Club uh, digitally now due wow. to uh, COVID and all that. So, I need to input our digital re- uh, releases into our logbook. But I think we've definitely passed 500. I was yeah. going to
0: ask how you guys are getting around that. Yeah,
2: it's um, kind of work at your own pace now. Like we have a Discord channel, yeah, and we just uh, every take turns, and like um, I'm currently up, so. I picked a record, uh, counting crows, actually, uh, recovering satellites. So then everyone that's a member has, you know, a week or two to listen to it on their own time and then write in the discord channel, you know, their review and thoughts about it and we can interact that way. So it's, uh, it's pretty convenient right now. I didn't know how it would work, but we've probably done, I don't know, 30 records or so on the uh, discord.
0: Nice. That's awesome. So Chris, why don't you tell me a little bit about how, how that's impacted you just being a part of that.
1: Yeah, so uh Record Club has been a huge uh part of me collecting vinyl because I mean, you know, Josh Josh got me into it originally and then it was it was when I went to my first Record Club and we started just listening to a bunch of music and everybody's picks uh like I'd already been listening to a bunch of different genres of music anyway, but it really opened my eyes and my mind to so many more uh genres of music and and just that is really when like while sitting around and listening to the songs and stuff like that's when i just started googling like every album that was played in record club and just was looking for it on vinyl (laughs) and like buying it and stuff and it's just like you know i was spending money like crazy because every record i heard uh, at record club i just thought was amazing and uh so like i
0: gotta have that i gotta yeah, have that exactly
1: exactly and then i <laughs> i was in and out for a little while like at first i was i was there on a regular basis and then uh over the years i was kind of in and out here and there with uh moving to new jersey and everything but uh right now that i'm back in Pennsylvania. We've done record club a couple times in person, but yeah, since like Josh said, this year with COVID and everything, we had to switch um, formats a little bit as far as you know how we were able to do this. But uh, I think it's actually worked out pretty well. Um, it's really cool being able to like as someone picks an album and then we all get a chance to really on our own listen to it. I, I usually listen to an album at least twice, just yeah. to uh, like I'll listen Digest to it once. It exactly like i'll listen to it once and then a day or two later i'll listen to it again just to make sure like you know what i'm writing down is like you know what i'm feeling about the album or if i missed anything yeah honestly like even just this year i mean just on all the picks alone like i think at least half of them i've gone out and bought on vinyl like right away that's awesome once that i can find yeah so it's been cool I, I love record club and i think um uh if it's not something that's that's you know that's done regularly across the nation anyone who's a vinyl lover i think should find or start a record club like that
0: i think it's brilliant i'd agree i think it's it's a it's a great way to expose yourself to you know, new new music, because not everybody has uh, you know, a radio show or uh, you know, a podcast, you know, that that allows them to to be exposed to new and different kinds of music. And I think that when it comes to music, I, I believe that it's not just when you hear the music that impacts you. I feel like there is definitely a way that how you experience it at that moment that impacts your perception of the music. So in that, in the context of like, you know, being with your friends and being able to sit and listen and have this kind of, you know, discourse about the records that you're listening to, it, it really does create like a kind of special experience. And I think that that, that just makes the music more meaningful in a way, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so very, very cool that you guys do that. Um, I'm a little jealous. Just going to throw that out there. You're uh-huh. welcome to join in. if you ever want to. <laughs> it's not an
2: exclusive thing. It's just people that have a, a decent uh, ear and good taste.
1: That's true.
0: Well, I can't guarantee that I have either of those, but uh, <laughs> maybe I'll take you up on it. Um, but from what I understand, you guys, well, you specifically, Josh, have like an incredible setup. And that's what you guys would listen to at least back when record club was able to be done in person. Um, So uh, can you, can you just kind of give us like a quick rundown of the setup that you have? Sure.
2: Yeah. So everything I have is, is pretty vintage Um, and not to like be hip and cool about it. I just kind of, it was in the right place at the right time over the years, finding parts that fit together really well. And it was a lot of uh, trial and error, but the core of my system is an, 1958 HH Scott uh, 299C tube amp and it is completely restored by an old gentleman that used to work on um, he used to be in the Navy in the Korean War and work on like their electronics on the ships and stuff so um, it's completely restored it's a beast I mean the, the power the power and clarity it brings is I mean you could drop a whole bunch on a brand new Macintosh and I honestly think this thing would sound better um, so there's that. And then I have just a, a basic, you know, the, I forget the the model number, uh, the techniques turntable that was real popular in the eighties. I forget what that is, but it's, so that's my turntable. And then I have these speakers that were, um, like custom boutique speakers from the 1960s, early seventies. Uh, they're called rectilinears. It's the worst name ever, but, uh,
0: <laughs> rectilinears got it. Yeah. It's terrible.
2: There was some dude that used to just basically (laughs) custom build these for rich people, you know, in New York city in Brooklyn or Manhattan, I forget where somewhere. And, um, Uh. you know, you could get these built So They're, geez, they're beasts. And it's just, um, you know, he didn't necessarily, I don't think any of the speakers and I've never taken it apart because it's a sealed cabinet. Um, I don't think any of the speakers are anything he actually built. I think it's like, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and just built these wonderful cabinets with really high-end speakers in them. Um, so I have the, that combo together, and it's just insane. Like, it truly is wow. insane. The first record I ever threw on it uh, was Modest Mouse Good News. And, like, the horn intro into the drum part on the first track is just like, it sounds like the bands in the room. And it kind of gives you chills when you have like when like you were saying at the start, you know, there's either records that are mastered for vinyl or there's records that are not. If you have a record made for vinyl and you put it on the stereo, it's it's kind of creepy how how good it sounds. It gives me chills sometimes.
0: That's amazing, man. You know, I I've definitely experienced that, and I I have I don't have a um you know an analog setup. I don't have t- uh tube amps or or anything like that. You know, I have a solid state Pioneer Elite you know, a, a receiver and definitive technology speakers. And so I, I'm not getting the full experience, but there have been albums that I've listened to that I've put on and I've experienced that feeling of, of like, man, it, it sounds like the band is in my living room. Yes. It's incredible, yeah. you know? And, uh, I, I just love that. It's fan. It's fantastic. Let me ask, does, does the stylus? I don't know what kind of stylus you have, but how much does that play into the quality of the music being played?
2: I don't remember exactly what stylus I'm running right now on the turntable. I mean, definitely you don't want, you know, like a ceramic one, like comes with a cross layer or something. that will just gouge and destroy your records and sound all goofy. <laughs> so you definitely want something good. <laughs> yeah. I personally, though, I still think, and maybe it's just my setup, I think the real love comes from the amp. If you have a really good amp, it just... Yeah. Brings everything out. So, I mean, I I think it's definitely important. I know there's people that go crazy and buy these super expensive styluses and it probably does help. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, it's, it gets to how far do you want to take it? Like there's this really cool, uh, sound store in double decker where it is now. And it's kind of, it's in the same building. Um, but it's a different business. And it's like the high end stuff. I mean, the stuff where like a, a turntable is going to run you 10 grand and a, a oh. you know, a amp is going to run you 15 grand and it's going to, once you have your whole setup, it's going to cost what a house costs. And it's, you know, people <laughs> right. fly in to come to this place. This isn't the average customer. And I actually, you know, I know the guy a little bit that owns it cause he's really good friends with my uncle. And he's given me a test run when I've been in there a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's unreal. I mean, he's, it's the stuff where you're, you're, um, you know, components are resting on like these brass like pegs. So there's no, you know, sound reverberation, it's stuff beyond my comprehension and understanding. But, um, you know, it really depends on like you could keep going. How far do you want to take it and how much do you want to spend? But I yeah. think for the average person, you know, that just really loves it like we do, you know, I think you just got to find what works for you. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to drop, you know, thousands of dollars on a, a piece of right. equipment.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had a um, we had a guest on from Brinkman uh, recently, and you know these are very very high end turntables and um, receivers, uh, you know amps, preamps, and um, they are very expensive. Mm-hmm. People <laughs> that purchase people that purchase that type of thing have money to burn, and they have setups that can can cost upwards of. Two three $300,000, which right. is, you know, when you mm-hmm. think about it, it's like, what, like what that doesn't, does not compute. Yeah. But I like what he said. He, he said, trust your ears. So, yep. you know, to me that, that just says, it, it doesn't matter how much you spend, what you spend. If at the end of the day, if you hear something and it sounds good to you, that's all that matters.
1: Exactly.
2: I, I agree with that completely. Cause there's, stuff that i've heard on different stereos you know that i know upon having conversations with people that have listened to it as well it's just you know your ears it's you know our ears get damaged over time our ears change over our lifetime it really depends who you are and what you're at
0: yeah that's yeah that's a very good point our our ears change uh our musical palates change as well um so Mm -hmm. very interesting stuff there but uh speaking of like musical palette what is currently your favorite album that you're listening to right now do you have oh
2: so that's that's a good one because i'm right at the time where i'm compiling my year-end list for the radio show which i'll play probably the week of uh the new year on on the station and then i always do a podcast around it as well it's like since i do the new music show and that's all i do you know, as far as the radio goes, it's all new music all the time. You know, I'm always trying to, you know, find the best of the year. So I've kind of narrowed it down. I'm, I'm around like 20 records this year. Wow. Um, I normally have more, but I feel like there wasn't as many good records, but I think the ones that were good were really good. And I'm okay with that. Um, so ultimately to answer your question, I did play it at record club. Um, there's a band out of the UK called loathe and, I was into them on their first record, which came out, I think in 2017, it's called a cold sun, but they put out a new one in January. So this one stayed with me all year. It was like the first record of the year that I bought. And it's, I'm still obsessed with it. It's called, um, I let it in and it took everything. It is just a bizarre journey. And, uh, Chino from the Deftones actually gave the band a big shout out because wow. one of their singles on the album, they put a, a video out last January and it's very deftones esque, like very diamond eyes era deftones. And Gino actually gave a shout out and was like, this band's the next big thing. Sick. And uh, the record's phenomenal. It, it weaves in and out of every style from like black metal to really soft, um, like the nicer stuff like Chino's done. They're very tones esque now. Yeah. I think you'd like it, but um, I can't even describe it. I mean, Chris has heard it. The record just weaves. It's it's madness. I mean, the record's really about mental health kind of taking over, and um, I've seen some more interviews <laughs> with the band, just them talking about, like, you know, we all struggle at times, and, you know, if you really go down a deep, dark path, it can turn into this bizarre journey, and that's really what the record kind of conveys like it generally has that feeling not just the lyrics but it has that feeling of the madness you feel when you go through a really dark time in your life
0: exactly wow that's awesome uh definitely gonna check that out that sounds really interesting so well that so that's like your album of the year what do you have like a most prized album in your collection something that you that you value more than any other record that you own
1: whether that be like monetarily or just for your own it's uh that's a tough one um
2: you know i have some stuff i really value like i i love at my favorite all-time band and it's it's basically two bands because it's the same members but uh at the drive in and the mars Voltas is my favorite band bands that i've you know been into for the last 20 years or so And, uh, I do have a full collection of theirs, which is super hard to find, especially on the Mars Volta end. And I do have this really cool, um, version of Francis, the mute of theirs that I think they only made like 200 of, but it's in, um, like this, this vinyl printed sleeve. And then when you open it up, it's on, you know, a triple 180 gram LP that's, uh, glow in the dark. And then the, I think it's the last side of the record has like an etching in it, um, and it's just really neat. So, I mean, that's like something that's just really, I'm thankful I have it because that band means the world to me, but I have some other really cool stuff. Like, um, murder by death is one of my favorite bands. And for our wedding, they played at our house last year, which was like the coolest thing on, on earth. And, um, Adam was kind enough to give me some of the test presses that from the band as like a wedding present basically for Emily and I. So cool. So we have, um, test presses of who will survive and um bitter drink bitter moon and then a couple seven inches of theirs which was super nice of him he didn't have to do that but um so i would you know never part with those uh because that's just something i truly love um so kind of those are some of my highlights that i i genuinely those are uh, you can't put a price on them for me
1: cool that's really neat man that's awesome Going back to uh, stuff that you've done in the, you know, in the music scene and the music industry, um, I know, like mm-hmm. back in maybe even high school, definitely college, you were putting on a lot of, uh, or putting on some shows for sure. Like getting people together and different bands together for, uh, yep. um, different events and stuff. I didn't know if you wanted to go into some of that. And, uh, Oh, and like in the story of, uh, when the one show at the silk had gotten, uh, shut down.
2: Yeah. I, I, um, I did a couple shows here and there throughout my high school and, and college days. Uh, typically they were like benefit shows. Um, the last one I ever put on was for the, the radio station when it was uh, 90.3 FM, and that was a whole mess. Um, the show would have been great, and what happened with the show that was allowed to happen was great. Um, but basically, we were playing at this venue that doesn't exist in Allentown anymore called um, Silkworks, and uh, it was a place that was used for theater basically, but the owner was nice enough to give us the space for free for the benefit for the station. I had a lot of really good bands. I had, um, like kiss kiss who was on eyeball records, um, come down to play. I had right. uh, Satoharo from Lancaster who was really big at the time. I had Settle from Easton. I had Ritter who was local. Right. Uh, I had this band out of Boston, Hoag, but we got about halfway through and the fire marshal walked in from Allentown and, uh, he's like, Oh, those curtains aren't fireproof. Like just nitpicking. And, um, basically shut the show down and Sadaharo, who's very much a political band was just about to play. We were about halfway through the show at that point. And right. um, Angelo, the singer just fucking lost it on like the police. And then I got on the mic and kind of lost it too. And, uh, they actually ended up bringing down like the riot squad for Allentown. They didn't actually like, you know, get in full gear, but they were there on premise and they had what? like the, uh, the riot band that they can take a bunch of people away with, you know, if they have to take a mass uh, yes. arrest Dude. and uh, it ended up p- being a peaceful shutdown, but like, Over I called a the show, yeah, yeah. And for a benefit for a college and there was, you know, there was no drinking, there was no drugs. There was none of these bands were like super crazy. Like as far as like, it's not like there was like this big pit and like people were getting beat up or anything. Um, But I called the mayor the next day. Yeah. He's now in jail for fraud, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I called him and I'm like, your fire marshal just shut down a benefit show for the college that is in your town. And he's like, I didn't know anything about it. He's like, I would have stopped that if he would have called me. And I'm like, well, it's pretty shitty of him. So I did get like a a public apology from him about it. And it made the newspaper and stuff. I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous. I think it was even like the local news channel as well. Uh, so that was the last show I did. Oh, but shit. That was fun. And then we started doing live sessions on the radio, which you guys were part of. And that was, yes, you know, one of the coolest things I got to do on 90.3 because they had this wonderful studio. So I got to broadcast, you know, live bands and we ended up doing 64 of those, which I'm now starting to archive into the podcast. Um, so if anyone checks out the podcast uh, on my podcast, I should, I should clarify that. Um, the the archives of those are going up and eventually yours will go up. I'm going in order though, so you guys are kinda in the middle of
0: that. Yeah. Right, that's right. awesome, man. Uh just so, you know, everybody that's listening kind of knows uh Chris Chris and I had gone to your radio station many, many moons ago and uh, we, it was actually our very yeah, think, yeah. Yeah. And uh so it was our very first like experience with Radio, and it was very special for us because not only were we on there and you know doing an interview, uh, but we actually did get to play, and so it was a very um unique experience for us. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I definitely know that I'll I'll, I'm never gonna forget it, and I'm just psyched that you know you're gonna put that stuff up in your archives so that we can we can access it. I don't think I don't know anybody who's gonna care to hear us uh except was, for us yeah <laughs> but um but that's that's still very cool for sure
2: yeah yeah i'm excited we're we're slowly putting them back up and editing them a little bit but uh it's it's cool i'm lucky to have done that i mean we even had like pedro the lion i mean david Bazan from pedro lion actually came well he was on a living room tour and stopped by which to me i don't think other than the interview we did with the deaf tones, uh, that we'd ever top anything like that on my show. And I'm just, you know, truly lucky to have done that level of stuff on just a, you know, college radio station. But it's one of those things if, you know, and just like your podcast here, if you put in the effort, people will come. So
0: absolutely. You
2: you gotta do do the work though.
0: Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. Well, Josh, uh, we thank you for answering, All of our mundane questions, Uh, we hope we didn't bore you too much. Now that brings us to the On the Platter segment of the show.
1: Oh, God, it's so good. Mmm, so good and tasty.
0: And today we're talking about Weezer's album, uh, the Blue Album, self-titled Blue Album. And it was released in 1990.
1: Four, I believe.
0: Yes, it was released in 1994. Josh, you own this album as well. Yep. Okay. Cool. So it's a classic. Um, it is a classic, and um, so what's funny is you and I had a conversation about this before because uh, my copy uh, happens to be the music on vinyl copy, and I wasn't aware of that at the time. I didn't buy it. My fiance actually bought it, and I didn't know whether or not (laughs) it was like an original, like from 1994, um, or if it was like a reprint, but, uh, you, you set me straight and, uh, (laughs) which I'm glad you did, but, uh, you did say that it was the best sounding pressing of that record.
2: Yeah. From everything I hear it is. I mean, I have the same copy as well that you have. I think they're, they got the little gold foil stamping on the back or something with the numbers as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, it does. It sounds really good. I mean, um, I'm not the type of person that needs to have like the original pressing or a certain variant for most things. Like I care less. I just want it to sound good. So yeah, I think uh, I think you ended up getting the right copy. (laughs) I I think I have the same one too.
0: So so just to you know like off topic, but on topic. Like you just mentioned how you you're not one to really care about like the variants and stuff. That's kind of how I started, but now (laughs) like. As I'm getting like like so much more into this world and doing, just doing this podcast and having the Instagram and stuff. Now I just, that's all I look for is like what, what variants are out there. I'm like, okay, cool. Like this is definitely a record I want. I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely want like this particular record from this band. So I'll do like a Google search and I'll find it and I'll be like, okay, cool. It comes in the black, but like, anything limited anything cool you know like let, let me let me look it up let me see if i could find anything that you know it, it it makes it more you know special for me which is you know i <laughs> i guess it's kind of silly but uh there's there's nothing wrong with having a record that sounds good it doesn't necessarily have to be limited it doesn't have to be a variant so i i get it i get where you're coming from i just mm. have gone down this path and i, I you know uh, hopefully i don't know where it's gonna lead me but uh you know, I, probably bankruptcy, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see.
2: No, that's cool. I, I There's a couple bands I, I do have some variant collecting of.
1: Yeah, same here. I, and There's definitely a few albums in my collection where I have at least two or three copies. You know, maybe I'll have the black one and then I'll have like a yeah. splatter and a spl- like a split color or whatever. Just because it's like, I love the album and those variants to me just look really cool. Like and uh, they're works of art. Like we've said before. I mean, they're just like, yeah, you man. Know, it takes a, There's there's a lot that goes into those. And oh, so, yeah, uh, it's worthwhile.
0: Yeah, to get. it's it is like kind of having like a piece of history in a way. You know, we had we had a guest on Tyler. I don't know if you remember. Uh, oh yeah, he Josh knows la- Tyler. Oh he, right, right. And so you know, he he had mentioned God and the way he articulated it was was so much more eloquently that I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase. <laughs> right. But he, he did say something to the effect of like, you know, it's kind of a way to – there's like a reverence in owning, you know, the, the record of a band or, 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 you know, the album that you really love. It kind of just makes it like more a part of who you are in a way um so like i said i'm paraphrasing here i definitely did i definitely butchering what he said but you (laughs) you get you get the gist of it there um yeah anyway back to Wee. back to weezer (laughs) um so this record again i didn't i didn't purchase it um my fiance did but uh i definitely do enjoy it what um josh do you have a favorite track on the album
2: so it's weird because this is a record that i've feel over time has changed with me. I used to always think that Pinkerton was my favorite Weezer record. And in the last like five years, it's definitely become blue. Uh, No knock on Pinkerton, but I don't know. I think the older I get, the more I appreciate this record more. But uh, I think right now it'll be only in dreams, the last track. It's just got such a great build. And when it hits that middle part where the drums really build it up and then the song just kind of goes crazy that's like the pinnacle of the record for me.
0: Nice. Nice. What about you, Chris?
1: Uh, I'll always have, I mean, I'm always a sucker for the, and Josh knows this, I'm always a sucker for the 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 really catchy songs. And uh, I love the whole <laughs> album. It's a staple album, but I mean, my favorite song is probably Say It Ain't So. There's Nothing a couple reasons that. behind that, but I mean, like it's just a song that, I don't know, it's just a great song. Deftones did a great cover of it. Josh and I were in a band called The Stevens that did uh cover of it and uh i don't know there's just you know there's just a lot of history um of that you know with me for that album and that song in general i don't know that that's that's definitely my favorite weezer album i think
0: nice i i definitely i i'm with you on like you know liking the the more kind of poppy songs (laughs) like the more you know like the singles and stuff like that uh so i know where you're coming from because my favorite is uh undone the sweater song that's a great there, song too. There's just like there's just something about that song that I I don't know man it's it's just like it it is still poppy but it's also very like moody to me. Yes, you know, and um so like I like to pretend I'm like dark and brooding or whatever. <laughs> and, and so I guess that that song just makes me feel for some reason dark and brooding or at least some <laughs> at least like emotionally like deep, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, no, I think that's actually my favorite <laughs> I single. I, I, I feel I, you on that. Nice, nice. Yeah, man, it's definitely a a classic. And um, you you mentioned Deftones did a a cover of "Say It Ain't So." And I, a while ago, I had actually read an interview with Chino, and he was asked, like, you know, if you were to write a particular album that you didn't write, um, like, what would it be? Like, what Album, would you have wanted to write that's out there that's in the world? And he said, you know, the uh, the blue album by Weezer, and that's just like a testament to you know how amazing and just like how influential that album is. You Absolutely. know, you have someone of his status, you know, saying, like, man, I, I wish I wrote that album, you know what I mean? Like, every song on it is amazing. And speaking of you know, uh, kind of like <laughs> off off topic off kilter facts or whatever um chris do you have any facts
1: about it i do i do uh first i just want to mention that uh uh just quickly going back to the pressings of of albums if you want to know what pressing you have usually the best way to do it is look at the look at the vinyl record itself yeah, and in the center, there's usually a matrix number that kind of that- give you an indication to when the album was pressed or where it was pressed. Uh huh. Is and, that like uh, the et- is that like the etching? You have to kind of like look at it and yeah, e- at an angle sometimes. At an angle, know. okay. And sometimes yeah. the etchings, you like, is that an S or a five? Like sometimes you can't <laughs> even tell. Yeah, because like, it what- <laughs> looks almost
0: like somebody wrote it by hand, like really quick.
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, that might exactly be what it is. It might yeah. even be in there before they press it. I'm not exactly sure how that, how they do that, but, um, but yeah, so. Interesting. Uh, that'll let you know what, what uh, pressing or what year that album came out just as a, that's one factoid, but not about this album. So. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: that's good to know because, uh, you know, I, I probably would have saved myself some wondering and confusion about this particular record.
1: So, well, it's it's tough to know. know that it's tough to know, though, because the if you look at any album, it'll always say the year that the album originally came out. So right. my first thought was the same thing: like, yeah. is this an original pressing? Yeah, and it yeah. won't say like you know, it won't say every year. It'll, you know, like like it'll say '96, and then maybe it'll say like 2011, or like right. you know, not not necessarily Weezer album, but like right. It no, doesn't I indicate have what year the actual pressing came out.
0: Right, because I have records that like the original date that it was released is on there, yeah, and then the pressing date is on there as well, the pressing year. So, that's cool. so, 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 like some it, will, yeah, right. So, like it, it's, it's a little bit more clear. But then there are ones where you're just like, uh, there's just this release date on here, and like I, I don't know, I don't know why, but I feel like this is not an original release. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's not <laughs> the most important thing, but. You know, you want to know what you have, especially when you're, like, archiving things and putting them into Discogs and stuff like that. You want to make sure that, you know, like, you have the correct version of that album.
1: Exactly. And Discogs is pretty darn good about having all of those. In fact, I've done Google searches where I'll just put in the name of the album, uh, the band, and the Matrix number, and it'll bring me to the link of the exact pressing that i have so that that also helps too so yeah so that's just a little factoid for all you vinyl collectors out there that are wondering what pressings of certain albums you have and what year it came out you're welcome Um, yeah so you're welcome took you to school yeah uh (laughs) and that that uh finishes my knowledge of vinyl uh no just all right
0: (laughs) all right well i gotta find a new co-host
1: yeah yeah that's that's all i know (laughs) uh (laughs) Uh, so okay, so actual facts about this album, um the Blue Album by Weezer. Okay, so I have a few here. So Rivers Cuomo has said that undone the Sweater" song is actually a complete ripoff of Metallica's "Welcome Home" "Sanitarium," which may be why you Antonio is why you have that as kind of a brooding song a brooding song yeah. when it's like really so it's ripped off. <laughs> yeah. So and and apparently it's funny because Rivers didn't realize it until 2009 he went back and thought about it and said he tried to write a song that sounded more like Velvet Underground um, and ended up writing a grunge-style Metallica song instead.
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I, I really got really to listen to both songs now and just kind of do, do a little comparison because yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's see here. What else um, you got? So My Name is Jonas was written about uh, River's brother, Leaves. Yes, his brother's name was Leaves. And uh, his, his insurance problems following a serious car accident. Apparently in 92, his brother was in a serious car accident while attending college in Ohio and submitted claims for recovery costs, but ultimately lost because the accident occurred in his friend's car.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that don't, sucks.
1: Don't think you're going to get insurance for driving your buddy's car, okay? <laughs> hey,
0: um, it's, it was worth a shot, I guess. It was
1: worth a shot. Yeah, it's it's a story that you'll always have. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, Buddy Holly was originally um, supposed to be a song about Ginger Rogers, uh, and Rivers had Me planned you, to leave
0: it. I look just like Ginger Rogers.
1: And it does still work, but it doesn't I hate myself. have the same ring. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the same ring as Buddy Holly. No, it doesn't. Especially when uh, Rivers in that song really does look like Buddy Holly a little bit. so Yeah, it sure does. So uh, he planned to leave it off the album because he thought it would be too cheesy. Which is interesting because you tend to hear that kind of story uh, a bit with a lot of different bands where they think, Oh, yeah. I'm going to leave this song off. This is just garbage. <laughs> and, then it, right. and then it ends up being like one of the more popular songs.
0: Right. It like propels them to success because I'm pretty sure that was like the song that, you know, broke them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that definitely. That I remember. Is-
0: I remember being a little kid, you know, sitting in front of the TV, like watching MTV, and like I, when that video would come on, I, I just loved the whole like everything about it because yeah, you had like <laughs> they were at it was the happy days, you know, oh, yes, the setup. diner. It was the yeah, but what was the name of that diner? It was uh,
1: oh, we should look it up. No, I just
0: feel like such an idiot. People listening to this right now are pulling their frigging hair
1: out. They're like, it's <laughs> this. They're like, it's called this. Oh man, uh, it actually took me never mind. Uh, it actually Arnold. took me to
0: Arnold. That's yep. it. Yeah, yep. that's it.
1: I, like Arnold's Arnold was, he was like <laughs> he was in the, he was in the video, right?
0: Like insane. All right. Yeah, well, wow.
1: really cool. <laughs>
0: and anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wanted to I just kind of wanted to throw that in there cuz you well, know, why not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. It's it's another great fact. It's a great video. Uh, it is. Last fantastic. Fact. Yes. Um a last fact here uh the guitarist uh or the original gi- guitarist Jason Cropper abruptly left the band shortly before the album was complete and Rivers ended up having to pull a marathon session in order to re-record all of his parts so basically re-recorded the entire album by himself there uh apparently Nuts. yeah apparently Jason left because he got a call one day in the studio from his girlfriend in LA uh who told him she was pregnant and uh, they were wondering what was going on because he was acting strange and didn't tell anybody. And uh, he would leave the studio here and there to go to the roof and just scream. Uh, and then apparently, shortly after, he just left. So, there's some wow.
0: so, so, moral of the story uh, babies, babies will ruin lives, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Don't, don't. don't impregnate a woman if you're on the verge of uh becoming a huge rock star
1: yeah so So, sorry jason sorry you didn't make it
0: yikes yikes sorry
1: hope you're happy with the family though
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i I think i want to google him and see like what he's up to you should (laughs) um so awesome man thanks for the thank you for going over those those very cool facts yeah totally Um, josh uh if you have anything that you want to add anything you might want to say any plugs that you have uh please go on go on ahead the floor is yours
2: sure uh thank you first of all for having uh me on today and uh you know it's it's cool to be a part of this and be on kind of the other end of what i typically do with the radio show you know and also you guys are too hard on yourselves sometimes i think you're doing a really nice job with your your production and your show (laughs) so far and and i wish you the best with it so just don't be so hard Thanks, on man. yourselves um you're welcome and uh you know again <laughs> just plugging the radio show doing the holiday stint right now so mondays on uh, 91.7 fm wmuh in allentown uh 8 to 11 p.m eastern standard time if you're not local you can still find it by going to wmuh.org or uh searching for wmuh on the TuneIn app which is free and if you want to find the podcast, um, our Instagram is at Pirate Radio After Dark. We're also on Facebook if you just search for Pirate Radio After Dark. Um, and then our podcast is on Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Radio Public, Google, Apple. Uh, what else did I miss? I don't know. Pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. We have 26 episodes up so far. I'm archiving interviews. Um, over time, there's going to be a ton of stuff. So I, if you like it, subscribe to it. But uh, yeah, I think that covers my plugs for today very awesome. cool
0: awesome sweet. thanks for being sweet. on man yeah we really appreciate it man so yeah, uh there absolutely. you go everyone please check out pirate radio after dark all right everyone thanks for listening follow us on instagram at taste of vinyl and on twitter at taste vinyl and remember you can never own too much vinyl later guys bye